0: to season seven of the HSCT Warriors podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. We're a bit delayed in launching this new season, thanks to COVID-19, which actually struck our household just a few weeks ago. Everyone is doing well now, and for that, I'm so grateful. Of course, new episodes would not be possible without warriors willing to share their story. And for you, our interviewees, I am ever grateful. It remains super important to clarify that I am not a doctor of medicine and that the podcast should not be considered as medical advice, but rather journeys of folks who have been through HSCT to shed light on their personal experiences. And whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the multiple autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you're in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, Illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease. Recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression. Connect through our shared experiences and advocate for an inclusive society. I am so grateful you've joined us. It's always so great to connect with you, Allie. I
1: agree, Jen. I feel the same way.
0: I appreciate. I actually,
1: I was just talking to Brandy for the last hour, and I'm like, I have to hang up because I am going to do the seventh season with Jen. She's like, Oh,
0: say hello. Can you believe it? Uh huh. So, hello to Brandy. How's she doing?
1: She's good. She's good. She struggles a lot, but but she her spirit is just amazing.
0: Of course, she's definitely an inspiration. Yeah, she's definitely a huge inspiration for me. Keeps me going. And so we're part of that crew treated by Dr. Burt in Chicago. Yes, we are. She was almost four years ago. I know. Crazy. It feels like not that long ago.
1: And yet, it, sometimes it feels like a lifetime ago.
0: Right? Yeah. So. It's crazy. So tell us what you've been up to for the last, I guess it's only been six months or so since we last connected, but
1: let's see, what have I been up to? Well, I'm still, you know, building my coaching business. It's nice. I have a handful of customers that, you know, I just, I love the work and it's so doing all of those things that I have to do to build that and I also have two online wellness businesses that I'm also focused on. Um, I felt like I learned during the 2020 year that I never wanted only a single stream of income anymore.
0: Mm.
1: But I just, I, I felt like it scared me enough to say to rely on one stream of income isn't enough anymore. I was one of the people that got laid off during COVID from my job. And I didn't have anything else to fall back on. Sure. And that that's scary. And I decided after that to open myself up to opportunities and also because it's opportunity. And if it doesn't work or I'm not happy with it, I can walk away from that and try something different. And I will always be that person that's not afraid of trying new things, you know, to grow myself into a new place.
0: Sure. So were you that person before a transplant or? Oh,
1: gosh, no. <laughs> Never. My God, I was so, I was afraid of, I had a lot of fears. I was, I well, the disease itself oh my gave gosh. me tremendous fears. Yeah. Nighttime, even today, Jen, for almost four years later, the nighttime, like waking up during the night is still something that, that gives me fear. Because that was my scariest time is, when I would wake up during the night and I didn't know how my body was going to react. And if I had to get up and go to the bathroom and, you know, getting wobbly or just, I don't know, the whole world was like sleeping and it was dark and it was quiet and it, it didn't, it scared me. And, um, I lived with that for gosh, more too many years. And I, I just, I was not a free person. I wasn't fulfilled in my career. I wasn't fulfilled in my personal life. Um, The only thing that gave me, you know, huge sense of joy was being a mom Mm. and, you know, being with my family. And outside of that, I just, I never felt like I found my place and I still had a lot of adulting to do. And the transplant, the transplant gave me that part of myself, When I just, you know, I knew in those moments when all of the shit hit the fan Mm. that, okay, you now have gotten a second chance. You are not blowing this one. You are not going back to living that way. You're going to take chances and you're going to try new things and you're not going to be afraid. And what's the worst that can happen is something doesn't work out and you try something else. But have to find my own way and my own voice. And I've been doing that now, little by little over these last four years, and probably more in the last year than ever. Like really, really coming into my authentic self, and speaking up for what I want to talk about. And if people don't want to listen, they don't have to listen, but it's not stopping my voice anymore.
0: Wonderful. That's That's what's going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great shift. Yeah, I
1: just feel good about where my life is.
0: That's amazing. Um, And it's such an empowering place to be. Yeah,
1: because I'm living life on my terms. Mm. And the chances I'm taking are just for me, there's nobody else that's gonna get hurt by them. There's people that will benefit from them if they all work out well. But nobody's gonna get hurt from them. Not even me, because failure is not something that hurts us. It's just Well, it can if you look at it that way. But for me, I think, you know, failing at something is just a stepping stone into, okay, that wasn't, that wasn't in
0: alignment. Or that wasn't the right thing for me at that time. Right. So? Well, it sounds like a big shift, right, from the alley I first met all those years ago.
1: All those years ago. Mm -hmm. But fear was
0: such a big part of the underlying voice of that alley I met, right? Yes. So I don't. I don't know why, I mean, fear just tends to resonate with us, right, until we can address it and resolve it or embrace it, right, and and choose a different outlook or or perspective. But I wonder what it is about the transformation of HSCT that helps us face that fear and overcome it.
1: I don't know. I mean, I can only speak for myself, right? I mean, you might be able to speak more because you've had these conversations and interviews with so many HSCT people. So you really have you really get to hear all kinds of great stories. But I can only speak personally. And for me, it was well. one, obviously, it was the opportunity to have a second chance. Mm. Um, you know, the fear of going into HSCT is, you know, are we going to survive it? Number one, will it work? Number two. And, you know, there's a lot of fear in that and the unknown of like how we're going to respond to the treatment, to the chemo, to all the drugs. I think what I've come to know a little bit in this last year is that I was living my life at the time I had the transplant, I had been diagnosed uh, 15, almost 16 years. But I probably was, according to the doctors, I was most likely living with MS in my body for 30 years, Wow, slowly creeping in. And for the 15 years prior to HSCT, the majority of those years, I would say at least eight and a half of those years in the beginning and then towards the end. There was a middle phase where I had really changed my life and gotten hold of my nutrition and movement and mindfulness, where I was able to put myself into remission for eight years. Not that I didn't have anything. It's just that I was in a much better place. But on the times that I didn't, I lived my life with so much discomfort. I had, you know, I was just having this conversation. It's so bizarre. I was having this conversation yesterday with somebody
0: mm.
1: about different ways. You know, when people think of MS, they think of somebody in a wheelchair.
0: Right. Right.
1: They think of somebody who can't walk well, who doesn't function with their limbs well. But, you know, as you know, because you also had some of these symptoms and you know now from all these other people, I personally had a very invisible form of MS, which is I could hide it from people. Right. At the time I went to transplant in the late 2017, I was told by my doctor, which which was very, very, very visible on scans. I was going, I was going into early onset dementia at that time and I was 47 years old and I had massive digestive problems. My, you know, so the early onset dementia, the cognitive problems I had were affecting my daily life. And I also had incredible pain, which I remember one of the first times I was talking to the, not my neurologist who I still have, but for the last 11 years, but prior to that, who said, you know, MS isn't pain. MS doesn't come with pain. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you're you're not the right doctor for me. right? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, um, clearly, you don't know enough about what you're studying. But I had pain. And that became the normal of my life. Like I learned how to live with that and how to function with that. So when I went through transplant and came out on the other side and didn't have that, I had to learn how to, you know, it sounds like, oh, it's so so exciting. You just go running with your life and you just like it's so it must be so easy to get back up. But the psychological effects that living like that for so many years has that even though you don't physically feel it, there's a psychological feeling. Does that make sense?
0: Mental toll for sure.
1: And it took a long time for me to release that. And part of releasing that was freeing myself to live this authentic life and to not be defined by that past and to say, I don't feel that today. So I don't have to hold on to what I knew, like Mm. I need to live now for this. And that was something I never, ever knew how to do before, but I had to learn how to eat without being afraid because I didn't feel the pain anymore
0: in my stomach,
1: but psychologically, I still thought every piece of food that touched my mouth was going to kill me.
0: Right. Yeah, there's so much fear there. And there was so much PTSD to deal with after the fact
1: that, you know, it's going to be four years post. And I still the the food stuff is still a factor for me. I definitely still have some kind of form of orthorexia, where I'm still semi afraid of foods. Um, It's gotten a lot better, but it's not. It's not it's not nowhere near
0: a hundred percent. well, it's interesting just to hear you talk about like the parts of the story worth holding on to, right? Or yeah, like really reflecting on what's worth holding on to and what's what is possible to shift about the story I've been telling myself. And that takes years of work. It takes years of practice to really start mm-hmm. to shift that resonance of fear. Yes. in your mind, and even in your body, right? Like your body is resonating that trauma. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. It's it takes trauma. Time. Yeah, trauma plays a huge role. And I think it's interesting because everybody looks at trauma in certain ways. People think, well, if you have trauma, it must be that you were abused or you know, if you have trauma, it must be like severe PTSD kind of stuff. But trauma comes in all forms. Mm. And that's why I shifted my coaching practice to become a life coach that focuses solely on trauma healing. And not from a I like to always make that clear (laughs) from anybody that listens, not from a mental health professional, there is a place for trauma healing with mental health professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, a coach is not that. So my part of trauma healing is knowing the traumas, but helping you move out of them instead of sitting in them, which is a lot of therapy, which is needed, but it's not what I do. So it became so important to me because MS was a trauma and it left me with those PTSD parts of it that I had that I'm still going you know, still trying to unravel in my mind, the psychological effects. Of course, Um, you know, and all of my past, you know, inner child stuff is why I started focusing on trauma healing, because it's huge. And everybody's got something.
0: Oh, that's the truth.
1: Everybody has something, at least one thing, if not multiple things from their past, You know, whether it was abuse, whether it was uh, sibling stuff, whether it was fights with friends that left an impression on you, whether it was heartbreak, because we've all suffered heartbreak, you know, but maybe it was somebody that you just couldn't seem to get over or something that happened. You know, it was losing a loved one, losing a pet, like anything can cause a trauma reaction. But it's, in you know, until we open that up and identify it, become aware of it, and start the healing process, then the triggers still come up mm-hmm. because they remind us of something. They remind
0: us of something that
1: needs to be healed.
0: Right, our body holds on to that. And so
1: it's become incredibly rewarding work for for me. And it's something that I will continue working on in myself. You know, it was the one thing that I knew I needed the most work on, which is why I ended up going into it with my coaching because it's just... That's what you do. When you become a coach, you coach on the one thing that you, you know, that was the hardest for you to heal and the most rewarding because that's what you can teach. That's what you can work with.
0: Well, and it's the investment of time and, and effort that you want to make right now. Right.
1: Absolutely. But, and you're
0: so right. I mean, you've got to name it to tame it.
1: Yep. And you do. And uh, so... You know, I think HSCT played such a big journey. And it was, I think it was the integral piece that changed my life. Because had I never heard about it, or had I not been able to go through it, I I may still be living that life
0: before and not changing. Sure. Yeah, anything Um, is possible.
1: And the likelihood is I'd be in a much worse physical condition, physical state. Right. You were like
0: one lesion away from having a real hard time with walking? Yeah, right?
1: yeah. With Dr. Burt, plus my neurologist, plus my other doctors, you know, I was basically, because my C spine, my C2, C3 had taken a couple big hits, and it had multiple lesions. Now at this point around it, they said, if you have one more hit to that area, you're going to be paralyzed from the neck down and on a feeding tube. It's so, amazing. And the likelihood is you're just a ticking time bomb. So how about the fear and trauma from that right just here I mean that. that's how I felt Le- leading up to HSCT when I knew that was what was coming the trauma of just w- I felt like I was a ticking time bomb going to sleep not knowing how I'd wake up waking up and just being like thank god I'm still here in this state but never knowing because when things went south for me in 2016 I was fine one Friday and I woke up that Sunday numb from the neck down.
0: Mm, terrifying.
1: And those pieces are like, it had a mind of its own. And everything that I had done before wasn't working anymore. And the disease kind of was, took back control, let's just say that. And um, so HSCT, it, it, of course it was the catalyst that changed my life because I got the opportunity to really look at things and go, wait a minute, I have a second chance here. Do I want to really go back and do the same thing? Or do I want to start living life on my terms, the way that I've always hoped and dreamed I would? So that's where I am.
0: And here we are.
1: And I see how important it is. And that's why I encourage people like take a chance, take a chance, make a change and, you know, live the life that you want to be living. I'm not saying it's always easy, but if we do the work, it's rewarding.
0: Yeah, it takes that investment, right?
1: Everything's an investment in what we do. If we want to achieve something, you have to invest in yourself for it.
0: Well, and even just the investment of HSCT, it seems continuing that, that investment, right? So you continue to grow and you continue to learn and you continue to reflect and challenge yourself. And I think that's so important, right? That you can't just... Show up for HSCT and say, "Okay, well, I went through and I'm done. That I'm good, right?" Well, I mean, I
1: couldn't do it that way um, because we have oh, there's too much opportunity we were given. I mean, that's listen. I, that's how I see it. I, I'm not speaking for anybody else, Jen. Sure, but I saw it as the greatest opportunity was being given to me. How was I going to? What was I going to do with that opportunity? And I just knew that I couldn't waste it. And I also knew in my heart that, you know, I had to honor and cherish my, you know, bunnies and Tierra's crew. And I had to move forward for, you know, what Carol had believed in Mm. and what Brandy and Carol and I were fighting for. And, you know, I keep my Tierra on my desk for anybody that has listened to all of your season openers. They'll Mm. know what the Tierra is. Yeah. Um, and I, that Tiara is sitting, I'm looking at it, it sits on my desk every single day. And when I moved, it was packed up in bubble wrap and then moved back onto my desk. Cause it's the thing that keeps me saying, I know why I'm fighting mm. because my friend, you know, fought for this and, and, and I will keep fighting for, for her for this. And part of that, you know, what I mean in that is that I'm fighting to live my best life. Mm.
0: That's a great reminder. Mm -hmm. It's a huge reminder for me.
1: And I'll carry that tiara framed everywhere I go until I'm not here anymore. And then that tiara will go to my daughter and remind her of what she fights for. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I cherish it. I look at it all the time and it's just, you know, it just reminds me all the time that You know, I I don't only fight for myself and my future, but I try to encourage other people to continue fighting for theirs, too, because we all deserve more and we all have so much more inside of us. And I think sometimes that gets buried by fear. I know that's how I was living. It was buried. It was in there, but it was buried by fear and I didn't even know how to find it
0: or to even see it as fear.
1: I knew I had fears. But I let them control me instead of me controlling them because I didn't know any other way. I didn't know any other way. It's how I lived. That's how I thrived. But now I get to thrive differently. And I get to control any fears. I don't let them control me.
0: That's so powerful. You're a powerful warrior.
1: Thank you. I can say the very same about you, you.
0: (laughs) You're sweet. So tell us. About how you're doing with eating and recovery, and have you seen any neurologists or even had an MRI in the last year?
1: I'm due for my four year MRI this winter. So I probably won't get it until like December. So I'm not, I, I don't worry about it. If that, you know, that's definitely, I don't worry about what's going to be on it because I feel good. My eating is I I eat fine. And I don't have any pain. But like I said, there are still plenty of times where I still have a psychological attachment to, you know, second guessing, like I could be making a meal and in my head, there's always a little thought in there, like, how is your body going to react from this? So it's not as often, but it's often enough it shows up I would say it shows up several times a week at least but what I am grateful for is that it's not every day at every meal. sure and I mean there's a lot of gratitude in that for me even though it's still there it's still a huge gratitude and then I would say cognitively um, I'm so much better I'm able to actually sometimes find memories that had disappeared for 20 plus years when I went for neuropsychological testing many many years ago um, which they told me I was losing my executive functioning. So my ability to multitask, which I already knew, but you know, they, they send you for these tests. And I'm like, I remember when they were going to send me a second time, like a year later. And I go, he goes, well, we should have it done again. And I said, why? I already know what's going I already know that I can't remember it yesterday. So no, thanks. But I remember when I went through it and you know, this young girl, who's like works for the doctors, you know, giving me a grocery list and telling me to repeat backwards, like the last three things, which oh. I never could do. I couldn't do mm. um, like she would say it and I had to repeat it right back and I couldn't. So, I mean, I already knew what was there, but I also asked the like the neuropsychologist or whoever he was that ran the study, you know, did this testing back then. And I said, you know, I don't understand It's like I don't have a memory of things. Like, I know I went to elementary school and middle school. I can't remember my teacher's names. I have no, like, I look at pictures and I sit with friends that talk about stories and we laugh and I'm laughing, but I don't know what I'm laughing about. Mm. I can't, like, it startled me that I could not remember anything from my, from, it was really, really a hard piece for me to swallow. And so it's nice to know that now I can remember little things like they'll just pop out of nowhere and I'll have like a photographic image of a memory, which is terrific because it proves neuroplasticity for sure. But at the same time, I also know that I'll catch myself like if I'm really like just worn down or I've done a lot like last week I was back home in Philadelphia taking um, Lizzie back to her final year of college and moving around. And there was just a lot of packing and unpacking and moving boxes and just like constant running for three straight days. And I think I was just exhausted. And I noticed that my speech, like I was kind of tongue tied over things that were coming out of my mouth. And my thoughts were a little bit slow. Like I was having, there were a couple of times I was having trouble, like remembering a word or going to say something, and I couldn't get the rest of the sentence out. Sure. Um, And this is easy for me to hide. I did it for for 10 plus years. I could hide all this stuff. So it's easy for me to hide, but I was very aware that it was happening. So there's still little things. I mean, there's damage that's done. That's just some of it's not going to go away. But again, I don't ever look at that as a setback. I look at it as an incredible gratitude in my life for the place I am today.
0: Sure. Well, it it speaks to the damage that has been incurred. And as Dr. Cohen explained it during his webinar, it was fascinating to hear him just explain so much of the nuances of the disease and the experience of MS and the damage incurred by these lesions. And that, yeah, when we are fatigued or tired or overworked, right, and stressed, our nerves will flare back up but the nerves that have incurred that damage like there's only so much they can do right Mm -hmm. and so every day we don't necessarily notice it but then when we're fatigued and that damage the breakdown of myelin or whatever it is that the signals just can't get through yep become more inflamed if you will like the nerves become more inflamed when they're under stress and so then that interrupts the signaling even more
1: exactly i become really um I've become even more aware, like when I was eating healthy for all those years and got better, and then I was after the transplant, you know, I really focused on my nutrition and I was eating very clean and I was eating things that I thought were healthy. I wasn't paying attention to ingredients. And so I've since done a lot in learning about inflammatory oils and certain inflammatory ingredients that are still listed in plenty of foods that claim to be very healthy. Right. So I've been really, I've been on that journey, I'd say for the last several months of just really paying attention and learning my ingredients, because I've seen how that's played a little bit differently in my inflammation.
0: Sure. Well, yeah, it foods that cause inflammation, especially in your gut, where you had so much of your disease activity. Right. You want to stay away from. Yeah. So I think just in general, right? Eating and in general, absolutely.
1: And yeah, in general, absolutely. Absolutely. And, but I've really, you know, I now I'm really focused on paying attention more than I was before. So I think that helps.
0: It's also interesting to think about how long it takes our body to recover from that inflammatory food, right? In some cases, it can take weeks and days. It's, it is
1: really amazing how the body can flare like that from something you eat. I always say to people like gluten, people don't realize that. You can have a reaction days later. I I, I feel it. I've said it before. Like if I eat something and I wake up the next day and I'm like, you know, if I've indulged and I do it very willingly and knowingly, but I can feel it the next day when I wake up, my fingers are swollen. My face is swollen. My joints ache. You know, it
0: just flared my inflammation. I can always see it in my wrist, in my left wrist. (laughs) Hmm. I don't know why. Maybe my adrenals are sluggish on that side. Interesting though.
1: I always feel it. I can see it in my face, like my eyes and my fingers. I can feel it in my joints and my fingers and the way that they swell. And like when I went, go to bend my hands, but I also had issues with my hands where there were times like when I couldn't, you know, I had a lot of issues with my hands during my journey of
0: MS. Sure. And they're better now.
1: Yeah, they're better now. Um, But again, like you say, when I when I get inflamed or when I'm super stressed or whatever, I can feel it in my hands. Just like my brain goes mushy, my hands get mushy sure. too. <laughs> sure. Well,
0: and so are you were you part of the trial the clinical trial with Dr. Byrne? Uh, no, I was off a compassionate basis. Okay, I thought so, me too. I just wasn't sure if you're heading back there for a checkup with Doctor Balabinoff.
1: No. No. I'd be heading back home to Philadelphia. To go for my MRIs where I've been going in the past.
0: And have you noticed any difference on your MRIs? No, they, they always say the last three
1: have been, you know, stable, no new active lesions. Um, I think the one that was most exciting for me was maybe it was last year. I think it was last year, the third year, was um, that my C2, C3 lesions appeared smaller.
0: That's awesome.
1: Which to me, if any lesion was going to change for the better, that was the space I wanted it to happen. Um, Not that I ever expected it to. So that was really promising when they they, the reading radiology reading was that they appeared smaller than previous studies. So I'll take it.
0: Yeah, That's so exciting. (laughs) I'll take that one. And that's the power of the body to heal itself, right? It is. It's, you know, I think the power to heal is.
1: You know, our body does its job, but then I think there's a lot of it that we have to do also. And I, I will be committed for the rest of my life to doing the best that I can for me, both physically and on my own personal mental journey, my growth. I never want to stop learning and growing and becoming better. You know, I always say one of my mantras is, as long as I'm better today than I was yesterday, each day I get better and better.
0: That's a lot to keep up with.
1: It is, but it's something that I just feel that's important for me. It's just like, you know, today I want to just be better than I was yesterday. And if yesterday was a good day, then I have to make sure today, you know, I find some some of that
0: goodness today. That's so awesome.
1: Yesterday I was, you know, I had a a really delicious, clean, organic juice and it made me feel yummy inside. (laughs) You know, today I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Got on my bike this morning, took a nice lovely bike ride, clear my head, start my day, get ready, talk to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you creating that space and even holding the space in your own body, right, for the healing to occur and and for the Mm -hmm. good work of reflection and finding the things that you want to hold on to and finding the things you're looking to shift. Right.
1: Right. Well, like you said, you know, it's a a gift, you know, going through HSCT, I, it's not something like I just went through it and that's it. I don't look back, you know, like it's done. Like I said, to, for me, it changed my life. It literally changed my life. And sometimes I have to repeat that phrase because I think people don't understand that it, it did. It took me from one place to another place. And I've worked so hard
0: on improving that all the time. Well, you're not one to take it for granted
1: not a single thing, not a single day. And I tweak things all the time. You know, I'm, I've always been a workout person in my, you know, my adulting life, but you know, after the transplant, I couldn't, I, I, I can't use um, weights or dumbbells the way that I used to be able to. I just have too much damage in my neck from years of my MS stuff and can't, you know, and I, sometimes get frustrated. And sometimes I go, well, no, I can do it. I feel good today. And then I'm, I have a setback for two or three days, so I can't then do anything. And now I have, you know, I tweak that. So I learn to do things differently, like do it without weights or use bands or just find different ways to move my body to keep it going.
0: I love the recalibration, like the reset that you continue to find, right? Because I think that's key to life. Even talking about the COVID year, right? And how it was opportunity, I think, for so many people. to Absolutely. Also just reflect on what it it is that they enjoy doing and how they want to spend their time each day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. COVID year was a big wake up.
0: Well, and it's great that, you know, HSCT was a big wake up as well. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that that made maybe the COVID year easier for me anyway.
1: Yes, I agree with you there.
0: Finding the opportunity to slow down and right not feel right. so obligated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, those were too big. You know, it's amazing that when you think about how, you know, I've talked about this so much in the past, you know, when things happen, or people get sick, or someone passes away, or, you know, the whole world, like, Everyone around stops and is like, oh, my God, life is so short. That's the great phrase when something tragic happens. Life is so short, we have to be living better. But then life goes back to normal. Right. And we get bogged down by the stress of the everyday existence. But the key is to find that opportunity where we got an HSCT, which was a wake-up call, an opportunity to do, to do better. And then 2020 hit. And we could have made... Two choices. We could have gone down with it, or we could have risen up with it. So, yeah, I an, feel yeah, I definitely. Opportunity.
0: Right. And I feel bad for the people who see COVID or see the mask requirements as so restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Who get just tangled in the anger. Right. Right. Over like their new limitations. Whether it's wearing the mask and limitation in breathing or whatever it may be, um, choosing to see it as opportunity to slow down <laughs> is so much more freeing, I think, than seeing the burden or limitations of right. this new way of existence, which is, it's, can be challenging for so many people, but also opportunity to see life in general in a new light and recognize, yeah, life is short. And it's, it's better to pay attention to that on a daily basis, right? Exactly. Or be mindful of that on a daily basis than mm-hmm. suddenly when when tragedy occurs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, I'm living life today all about opportunity and looking at things of how they can make my life better for me. How I can make my life better, and being present here today on this beautiful phone call with you, and just being here and finding total fulfillment and joy in
0: this. Well, and it helps you started your day off well with a bike ride. It did. It, and the it salty definitely did. Ocean air.
1: It did. And uh, when we are done this call, I am going to be doing a little yoga. I'm going to lay my mat out and do my yoga today because I committed myself to that while I was doing my move in with Lizzie. I said, when I get back, I'm going to start incorporating yoga. So today is my day one.
0: Awesome. Maybe I'll make it my day one too.
1: So, you know, whatever that practice on the mat is for me today, I will be grateful that I at least. Give it a go.
0: Yeah, even if it's 15, 20 minutes.
1: Absolutely. You know, absolutely. A little each day will get my body moving more and more the
0: way that I need it to move. (laughs) I love that. Well, that's inspiring. So it's definitely an investment of time and and even the mental energy, right?
1: Yes. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I think the mental aspect of knowing you're going to go and do something is harder than the physical
0: part of it. Isn't that the truth?
1: Because we make it something else in our minds instead of just clearing it out and just showing up to do that thing we say we're going to do and just let it be whatever it's going to be. Our mind goes somewhere else before we even get there.
0: (laughs) Or or gets caught up in the fear factor.
1: Right. So that's why I said today I'm going to put lay my mat out. And the moment I step on it, whatever comes out is what I will be grateful for today. Because I said I was going to do it and I'm doing it. So that's, I'm just happy to do what I said I was going to do.
0: Honoring your commitment to yourself. Exactly. Thank you for that important reminder and so many other important reminders. Yes. Always good to connect with you and be reminded of these um, simple hacks, if you will, Mm -hmm. to live your best life. That's right. Just make the choice
1: that you want to be living your best life, and then find the ways to do it. But the first part of all of it is just making the choice that you want, you want life to be better for yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. We all deserve that. Mm -hmm. We do. Thank you for those reminders. Of course. And strategy. Mm -hmm. You're a great coach, Allie.
1: Thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. I, I love my work. And you know what they say, when you love what you're doing, every day is Every day is a bonus. That's how I feel. I feel like every client I get to work with, it, it's just a bonus in my life that I get to see transformation happen in other people. I'm super passionate about it. So if anybody here is listening and is interested in finding out more, they can find me through my website at AllieRoberts.com. They can find me on Facebook and they can find me on Instagram, Allie G. Roberts. Beautiful. And I love just connecting with you and hearing how your life is going and how your podcast is going and all the good things that you are doing to keep moving your life forward.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's good work. And I love to be able to host space where people feel comfortable being vulnerable. It, it's just such an honor. Yes right? Similar to where you are, right? With coaching clients and, and it's so hard for people to be vulnerable. And I just,
1: it is, it's so hard, but you know what, what I do and what you do with your show is we hold space mm -hmm. to allow safety and being vulnerable.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a privilege and one I don't take lightly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So thanks to all those willing to be vulnerable, especially you, and always leading our seasons uh, with a with an update of how you're doing.
1: Well, thank you for, um, again, having me open your new seasons. It's been, it's just been such a pleasure. And, you know, I kind of get to see my own growth through all the seasons. Right. (laughs)
0: And I think that's part of the value, right? And in seeing how you're doing, right? Because I think there's so much question, oftentimes, yeah, like the long term. Yes. And, yeah. You know, we're, part I, I mean, of it's the... amazing
1: to see the like, like I said, it's like listening to all episodes. It's like, I get to, to really hear myself in my own growth.
0: Yeah, well, and just the progress that you've made. While staying grounded and in, in some common threads, right, of yes. growth and staying positive and, and living your best life, right? Committing right. to that, living your best life is, has truly helped you along the way find your way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like an anchor or a compass, maybe.
1: <laughs> That's why I say sometimes I love going back and reading old journals because I get to see how far I've, I've grown.
0: And I think it really helps listeners just to notice, right, or um, hear that you're doing well.
1: Yes. Well, thank you for giving me a place to share
0: it. Yeah. I think there's curiosity around, you know, what's it like long-term? hmm Well, we're going anyone. into
1: four years, so. Yeah.
0: yeah. For anyone new to HSET, right? Because it... Right. It's nice to read those uh, peer-reviewed journal articles from the medical journals, but I don't know. Lending voice to this story and the journey, I think, is so powerful. So thank you for lending Well, I'm, listen,
1: thank you. I'm glad you do this with me because it does give people that look. And one of the things that I remember when we started this journey was – you know, where were the people that were long out? Like, what were their stories? And sometimes you get a little glimpse or someone would say, you know, here I am after 10 years, and I'm I haven't progressed. And we get a little clip on a Facebook group. Mm. But we don't get a story. Right. And you are giving people through me, you know, by having me open every season, you're giving people a chance to listen and hear the changes that happen and that they can see that life life not only goes on, but that you can make it what you want it to be.
0: Yeah, well, and honoring that commitment to yourself and to you living your best life is is evolving into certain outcomes that you're sharing mm-hmm. each, yes. each season. And so thank you for keeping us in your journey.
1: Well, thank you for, you know, asking me to show up.
0: It's great to be connected with you, Allie.
1: As is with you, my
0: Zen gen. Mm-hmm. So enjoy a beautiful rest of your day thank you for helping us raise awareness
1: well thank you too for everything that you do
0: yeah it's truly a privilege and I'm honored to be in this space and appreciate you being here with me thanks Jen be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org where you can find notes from today's episode submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Alitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create, soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind. Be well. Jen Stansberry-Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.